Hello and welcome to Books at Work, the best and most useful bits of business books. I'm Anna Hughes and my professional purpose is to help people love their work. In our Books at Work episodes, we've looked at elements of leadership that works and thriving at work. And I'm keen to explore a couple of specific things that build great teams and places to work. That's where today's book comes in. Honesty without empathy is a bit like a face punch. That's Melanie Marshall who wrote Trust, the foundation for healthy organisations and teams, and our book for this episode. Before we get into the speed read and chat with Melanie, congratulations to Martin H, winner of the four-day week book from our last episode. So to our speed read of Trust. First, a bit about the author. Melanie Marshall is Australian-based and is described as an organisational trust strategist. She's worked with and led teams at all levels in private industry, government and the Australian military. In Trust, she shares stories of both her success and failures to help illustrate the impact of both trust and distrust in teams and organisations. The introduction to the book makes three really compelling statements. The first, personal and work environments can be damaging when people aren't respected for who they are and what they offer. Second, with the autonomy and freedom of trust, you get stuff done. Without it, you can feel undervalued, frustrated and not good enough. And three, recognise that incremental and consistent shifts in the way we think and behave impact far beyond our immediate and secondary circles of influence. And Melanie says the fundamental problem is that people focus on risk and choosing control rather than establishing relationships and trust. People want faith in possibilities, inspiration from opportunities, the ability to add value and clarity in how everyone will work together. According to Melanie, trust is about giving the gift of support, freedom, flexibility, care and appreciation of the value we all bring at work. It can be challenging to build trust. It's time-consuming. There's always context and emotion that influence trust-building. It's risky And the return isn't always obvious. People's experiences at work matters. If we aren't heard, understood or enabled to deliver what we're there for, everyone suffers. So what are the anchors for trust? It's complex. Melanie aims to capture the depth and intersections of factors that grow trust. On the one hand, there's honesty, empathy, accountability, reliability and trust in others. And on the other, sincerity, openness, understanding and lasting focus. The heart and soul of trust. We talk to Melanie in more detail about this shortly. But let me cover what she means by openness and understanding here. How naturally curious are we? What do we need to do to build that? When we're open and curious, we get uninspected insights which give us deeper understanding of what's going on, which helps build trust. Being open can create surprising and inspirational connections. Here are some questions from the book to try out if you want to build your sincerity, openness, understanding and lasting focus. Tell me more. What would you do if you had full control of the situation? What would be the outcome? What can you do for now? And how can I support you? Keep reflecting on those questions while we chat to Melanie now. (laughs) 
So I'm delighted to have on the line Melanie Marshall, author of the book uh, Trust that we've just summarised. Welcome, Melanie. And where in the world are you and what's the view out your window? Thank you for having me, Anna. I'm in Carolee in Queensland, Australia. And what is out my window is a beautiful blue sky. It is a gorgeous spring summer day here and the sun is shining and I can see a few trees. So that's that's what's out my window. Well, that's a contrast to what's out mine, which is gale force winds. So, But that's typical spring uh, where I am. Uh, so if our listeners hear wind or the sound of what sounds like a truck going past, it's not, it's just the wind. Just wondering what your view is about why trust matters in an organisational context. Trust matters because there are infinite benefits attached to it when we allow people to bring their whole experience that they have to work. And that's where the innovation comes in, that's where people are more productive when they're trusted to do what they've been employed to do and they feel that they have the freedom to be able to come up with great ideas, solve problems, improve things, and deliver based on what they know could be better. So that sounds pretty good. So the opposite of that is distrust. And so, um, you know, you've painted a lovely picture there, but what, 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 what does the opposite of that look like? What does distrust look like? <laughs> Oh, and, and this is where the validation comes in, doesn't it, in the book? <laughs> so I, I, go, I go into that in a fair bit of detail at the beginning and it's micromanaging. It's that heavy feeling where people want to do more but they feel constrained and there's an environment where there is so much focus on risk that it pushes down people's ability to be creative, uh, the ability to, to do, I guess, that, that little bit extra that people would normally do because they're in a joyous space uh, isn't there. And distrust, you actually feel it before you see it. Um, it's very easy to, to um, walk into an organisation and it's the vibe. So, you know, when you walk into an organisation and you go, whoa, the vibe here is really heavy. And you do a bit of a walk of the floor and there are people who are just sort of staring at screens. They're not very animated. They sort of have this sense of that they're just clocking in, clocking out. There's no sense of vibrancy. And, and that comes from people not being trusted to do the job. They're being told to do things as opposed to trusted to do what they've been employed to do. And, and it's, it's a heavy kind of depressive feeling uh, in an environment of distrust and where it really impacts organisations is that you get a lot of errors. You get a lot of mistakes. People second guess themselves. Uh, the easiest analogy I use, it's like when somebody is watching over your shoulder as you're typing or, or doing something, all of a sudden you develop what you think of massive fat fingers and you start making errors and you, you, you begin to make mistakes that you would never make if you were just trusted to do the job. So yeah, a distrusting culture, it feels heavy. It's quite negative. People are just clocking in and out. Uh, and there are sort of whispers behind closed doors. 
and it, there's definitely no focus on the actual quality of the work that's being delivered. So I'm interested in your experience and research to know how how often does that happen? How common is that heavy vibe and toxicity around dis- distrust? Well, I think it's very common. And the reason why I think it's so common is because there is so many strategies and values and mission statements now that are coming out calling out the need for trust now if you're calling out the need for trust in your organizational plan or strategy chances are you're not quite there yet and you probably don't have it because it's it's a it's a non-negotiable right it's it's something that you've either got it or you don't it shouldn't be an aspirational thing to be trusted (laughs) <laughs> because <laughs> that, that, that's just should be really who you are and how you're operating as as a as an individual a team a business an organization now in our speed read we talked about your heart and soul model so really keen to kind of dig into that um and if we take the heart piece first what's that magic balance between honesty and empathy that you talk about in your your heart and soul model for trust yeah, this one is one that I think I've gotten wrong myself in the past. <laughs> <laughs> Honesty without empathy is a bit like a face punch. Mm. <laughs> you can you can have all of the evidence, you can be really truthful and factual, but if you are providing those facts, those evidence and that honesty without some understanding of the situation that has created that, or the person who's going to be receiving this information and what the experience is for them, what they're going through, that message can fall really fat, really flat, really fast. So you cannot have you cannot have honesty with impact without having that empathetic understanding of, particularly if you're delivering bad news, right? If you're delivering bad news, why has it gone so pear-shaped? You know, what are some of those factors, like those cultural factors that we mentioned before, that haven't been working nicely as a system that have led to this point? Because there's only so much that we can, can control within our world and we really have to look at all of the pieces of the puzzle. It's being able to read the emotions that others are going through before you interact and speak and there are many, many non-verbal cues that will give you that. I think quite often we get so focused on our message and what we're intending to say and what we think needs to be delivered that we, we, we don't pay attention to the person who is in front of us. You know, they are an emotional and feeling being and regardless of what they might be saying, there could be a lot of unspoken things that are going on that we need to be really mindful of. And so all those things help help build well help build a connection, help build the ability to give honest messages with empathy. Yes, yes, right. that's right. It's it's about understanding where somebody else is at before you even speak because if you don't have an understanding of what's going on in their world, you are potentially just piling on a whole stack of junk on top of what could already be a really horrible day for them. Uh, so an example example of this is I've done a lot of work in the employee experience, customer experience space, and 
done a lot of all culture surveys where the news isn't always positive. Now, people know that the news isn't going to be positive. They're not idiots. And if you're the person coming in with those reports and going, yeah, your baby really is ugly, or <laughs> yes, your, organ your, your organisation really is quite garbage right now, you, you potentially are kicking them further down yeah. as opposed to saying, well, this is what it is. But before I say anything about the recommendations or what you could be doing about that, how are you feeling? How is that impacting you? And what is it that you'd like to do to start closing the gap on that? Uh, so the other part of the heart model is the accountability and reliability. And uh, I, I liked that, uh, the kind of other side of it. So tell me about that. What, what, what is that? And how, how do we make sure we have that balance of the accountability and reliability? Yeah, this is really important because trust is not a soft and fluffy thing. And the accountability and the reliability is key because you can say that you want more trust as much as you like, but if you're not being accountable and taking ownership of your own beliefs and your own actions in that space, it's not going to come to you. And once you have that full accountability and ownership of what you can control within yourself, you need to be consistent and reliably be that person because it's that reliability that says, well, trust is something that, that also gets built gradually. You can have an immediate level of trust, like a vibe that goes, oh yeah, I can feel like you're one of my people. I can kind of trust you. But then if you want that deep trust, that comes, that comes about with being reliable over time. You know, so can, do, I do I feel quite consistently and reliably that every time we have a discussion or we work together that things are going to work out okay you know even if it if it all goes to to poo tomorrow i know that you know with all of the things that you've done before that we'll find a way out of this together so accountability and putting your hand up and really owning something is one thing it's about being consistent and reliable despite changing circumstances and events that really builds that more solid deep trust so how and do it also do... provides that safety. Sorry. <laughs> how how right? do you do that? How do you build that? How do you build that reliability and accountability? Mean what you say and do it. It doesn't get any more complicated than that. If you say that you're going to do something, that's what you've got to do. And if you can't do it, there needs to be some kind of a rationale or an explanation behind it. And being transparent about that is really key because circumstances can change but if you're transparent about times where you cannot deliver as intended just be honest about it you know don't fluff it up or pretend that to be someone that you're not you're you're either doing it or you're not and do people find it difficult to do that is that a, is that a hard thing or it can be incredibly hard uh, what this does take, trust takes courage because you actually have to give trust to other people in the first instance in order to then be able to receive it. And when you show a little bit of your own vulnerability in raising perhaps an issue that you're saying or, or a risk, you've, you're exposing yourself. And there's always an element of danger in that. Trust is inherently risky. 
because of it. Um, trust is really kind of having faith in the unseen to a certain degree. It's about starting small and then gradually working up. Are there going to be times where you may be let down? Yeah, there will be. You know, that, that's, that's just how it is. I see it, though, as being more important to take that little bit of a vulnerability and raise the issue and raise the risk than to not raise it and then have it blow up later on. There are so many programs, projects that I've been on where things have been hidden because people didn't didn't feel that they could be honest about where things were at. And a lot of that was because they were seeing other people put their hand up and be honest about things or, or raise red flags and be chopped down. If you're in a position where you're calling out that trust is vital and you want that for your employers and your customers, you've got to be prepared to do the work to do that. You've got to be prepared to be a little bit more vulnerable. You've got to be prepared to accept the things that you don't want to hear. So that's a really nice link into the soul part of the model, which is sincerity, mm -hmm. openness, understanding and lasting focus. What What's the sincerity piece? Is that what you were just yeah. talking about, about vulnerability? Yes. Or? Yeah, yeah. And it, it is actually a really nice segue. And I really love... Um, sincerity and lasting focused in particular and when I was doing the work to pull the book together it were the two things that really struck with me in something that I needed to work on myself more and something that I didn't see enough of not so much the sincerity part but the lasting focus but I'll, I'll get to lasting focus in a moment the sincerity is really feeling what other people are feeling and really genuinely caring right it's the care you can't you can't fake caring about something um, it's it comes when people are really passionate about things and sometimes people uh, demonstrate passion in different ways they can be a little bit over enthusiastic or a little bit aggressive about when they're caring about things that matter but it's they're always sincere in the sense that they really care about making a difference and making a positive change and when people feel that you genuinely care it does open up um, the grounds to be able to be a little bit safer because you've got skin in the game as much as I do. As far as lasting focus goes, this is about not looking for the quick wins. You're in this for the long haul. Uh, a lasting focus is also about accepting that it can take varying levels of time for different people based on the experience that they've had in the past. And we all carry battle scars with us. Uh, some people are predisposed to trusting more than others. Some people may have trusted in the past and, and been burnt really badly, and we've all been burnt really badly. Having a lasting focus means, look, my intent is I want us to have a really good partnership. I want us to be able to trust one another so that we can do our best work because when we're doing our best work and we've got trust, you've got freedom, I've got freedom, and we're, we're by default going to become quite a high-performing team because of that. But I know that that's not always going to happen straight away. So I'm going to accept that the time and the pace and the distance 
will be guided by the people that I'm that I want trust from and having that lasting focus of you know I'm, I'm here for the relationship as opposed to the quick win is very important can you just talk about the three c's that you've got in the book um and what the what the key things are for those yeah so this is very much about taking what what we share in the beginning of the book around being somebody worthy of trust but then putting it into action and it is about connecting, clarifying, and committing to the work that's required to get the outcome. Um, and connection is that wrap up. It is who do you need to be and, and who do you need to understand? How, how do you both connect in a way that you say, well, your experience is yours, mine is mine, but, but I have an element of respect for that because you're human and I'm human and there are some things that um, would be really useful to understand so that together we can leverage both of our, our expertise here because different people come at problems from different angles and, uh, and that's invaluable. And having that connection first by really, really connecting with the person as a whole as opposed to the role that they are or what they do really opens that up. So that, that's, that's first. If you don't have that, if people can't see that you're human and if they can't feel that they can be human with you, you're never going to be able to open up that element of safety to understand the other things. Um, clarify is vital because if you don't have a clear understanding of what you're doing and why you're doing it, and what it is that you're wanting to achieve, you tend to just go round and round in circles. Uh, and hence why trust is not a soft and fluffy thing. There's got to be something that you're going to that you're going to do to be able to leverage that relationship that you've just built. Uh, if it doesn't have some kind of meaningful application, it just tends to be words. Um, the most frustrating scenarios that I've seen within organisations is where there is a lack of clarity. Uh, there's one particular program. Uh, that I've been working with at the moment where they have had probably about four years of a lack of clear understanding around what the roles and responsibilities are across multiple different teams, which is crazy. <laughs> um, it's, it's one of the first things that you needed to be really clear on uh, in order to prioritise your effort uh, and also to be able to maintain people's sanity and be really clear around how you can how all of the moving parts work and support each other so that clarity in um in that is is that that other element and then when it comes to committing you know you've got the relationship you're really clear on what what you want to be partnering on together what what your strengths are what some of the opportunities are that you need to develop you've also got some understanding around what the weaknesses are and you go right well how are we going to fill the gap between where we are now and the vision that we have in our in our head? And now that we know where we're at individually as well as as a group of, of individuals, what are all of the things that we need to build in to our service and the way that we're going to work to make that vision more achievable over time? Because, um, and once we've got that, how are we going to commit to that on a daily basis? So it's that incremental improvements, building in good habits, 
using the supports and the mechanisms or creating those supports and, and mechanisms that drive the necessary behaviour. So thank you, Melanie. That was a fantastic conversation and some really good practical things for people to use. I really like that connect, clarify and commit. And I can see that really good, useful, applicable stuff to a couple of things I'm working on. So thank you very much for your time. It's been lovely meeting you and having you on Books at Work. You're welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Um, I have been fangirling books at work right from when you started. It's, uh, it's, it's punchy, it's practical, it's, it's everything that I love about, um, about what you've done. So thank you for having me. It's been great. On to the trust, take five in 60 seconds. One, if your team or organisation is calling out trust in your vision statement or values, you've probably got a problem with trust. Two, it can be challenging to build trust. It's time consuming, there's always context and emotion, it's risky, and the return isn't always obvious. Three, heart, honesty, empathy, accountability, reliability, and trust in others anchor trust. Four, as does soul, sincerity, openness, understanding, and lasting focus. And five, connect, clarity and commit. Be human, listen, understand, have clear objectives and priorities and a committed mindset, resources and actions. That's the Trust episode of Books at Work Done and Dusted. Go into the draw for your copy of Trust by giving me feedback, following Books at Work on Instagram or subscribing at booksatwork.co.nz. I'm Anna Hughes and that's Books at Work making work better.